the Open Source Creative Podcast, Episode 7, Collaboration, Plays Nice with Others. This is the Open Source Creative Podcast, a podcast where I ramble on about creativity, process, and open source software during my work commute. First of all, sorry for being a day late two weeks in a row. I didn't have a lot of editing time Thursday evening, so I needed to postpone this one by a day as well. Sorry. Also, after long deliberations, I've started an email newsletter that you could subscribe to. It's plain text and will be very low traffic, but you will get a, at least a day's head start on knowing anything biggish that I do. Events, conferences, book and animation releases, and so on. Subscribing is easy. Just go to my website, monsterjavaguns.com, and enter your email address in the little newsletter subscription form on the right-hand sidebar. Much appreciated. Anyhow, in this episode, I talk about collaborating with others, specifically the things that you need to do in order to get people to join your project. I can't repeat this information enough. Every day, it seems like I'm seeing another person post on a forum or a social media site that they have an animation or a game or some other project, and they need people to join that project. In almost every case, they're doing it wrong. Hopefully, I outline ways of doing it right in this episode. If you think so, if you and you happen to see or hear someone doing that, feel feel free to share this episode with them. I would appreciate that as well. Also, I I have a very specific question about how you'd like me to handle the Blender conference next week because I am going. I get more in depth on in the actual episode, but the short version is I can record an episode like I always do, or I could try to do a set of interviews at the conference itself. So, if you could, let me know what you'd prefer that I do. You can comment on this episode's post on my website. You can find it and all previous episodes at monsterjavaguns.com slash podcast. Or, you can track me down on your favorite social media site. Just look for Jason Van Gumster. Or, if it's easier to type, Monster Java Guns. And yeah, have fun listening to the show. Oh. We're going to toast marshmallows, are we? Could be. Hi there, and welcome to the Open Source Creative Podcast. I'm Jason Van Gumster. <laughs> I'm Jason Van Gumster, your host and driver. So first things first, on the last episode, I thanked Three Point Edit on Twitter, David McSween, um, for for some audio processing tips, and I didn't get a chance to. to thank him on the show for giving his his uh, audio processing tips and stuff like that so that, you know, I didn't basically destroy his ears with every recording. I, I probably should go back to the episodes before episode six and fix the audio for for the, the dynamic range on them, but I'm not sure if I, when I'm going to have time to do that, but that would, that would be a smart thing to do. But sort of in that same vein... Hopefully what you're hearing is 
even better sounding audio on this uh, episode because I got a field recorder and it's it's a it's the right tool for the job I'm not using a tablet when I should be using a field recorder so hopefully the I mean I did a test I actually so I didn't have to record it through so I didn't have to record this episode three times I actually did a test with it and uh, yeah I'm pretty excited to see how the actual episode turns out the sound sounded a lot warmer this mic is actually uh, I'm pretty happy with it so all right let me get to news really quick and I want to try and do this one do the news a bit brief this time because today's topic is pretty interesting and if I'm not careful it'll overrun the amount of time I have to drive so let's get going on here so new stuff new stuff new stuff first on the list is Panda 3D got some updates for its OpenGL handling and really modernized its its underpinnings as a uh, as a graphics engine for game engine. For those of you who don't know, Panda 3D is a game engine. It's open source. You control it with Python scripting, and it's it's really quite nice. So yeah, have a have a look at that. There's they've they've definitely made some OpenGL improvements for how it does its real time rendering to screen. Oh. Last episode, I was talking about the possibility of having a, a software package that you could write in Markdown and that gets converted to HTML or XHTML for, for book writing purposes. And silly me, of course, there's a package that does something like that. One of them that I stumbled across, because I actually decided I was going to look it up, one of them is called a HaruPad. And yeah, you, you write in Markdown, on, and it's a split window editor, so on the left side, you see your markup. Or markdown, uh, and on the right side you see what it renders to, and it even has a has a Vim mode, so you can use VI chem, uh, key bindings on the text editing side, which is actually quite nice. The only downside to it for me is that it's written in Node.js, and for some reason it was making like the interface was was laggy or or it was scrolling was noticeably odd. So I'm not sure what's up with that, but at least the tool exists as a starting point and might be something worth developing further on. So yeah, if, you, if, if, if you're interested in a tool like that, HaruPad will do it. Also in the news, Lightworks 12 is released with a bunch of different updates. Um, <laughs> I only mention Lightworks because, again, as I said in previous episodes, video editing is kind of a sore spot in the, uh, in the open source pipeline, and Lightworks was supposed to be that thing which alleviated it but for a number and, and I mean they've been sticking to a plan but for a number of like they 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 got a bunch of beta edit share when they did lightworks they they said they were going to release it open source and here we are four years later no source code and they have a plan and they're still promising on releasing source code but I don't know I just that at the very least they do have a release that works on Linux, so you gotta give them that. They, they 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 have a tool, but I mean, there are there are a lot of tools that work on Linux, so that by itself isn't super impressive. But yeah, so I mean, I give them a little bit of a of a a little bit of slack, but not a whole lot. You throw out the word open source, and then you don't release your code and get any sort of not just the notion of sharing with the community, but get any of the benefits of open source from having outside eyes and developers, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to get a, 
gonna feel like you're trying to play a game here, and I'm not not a, a huge fan of it. So, Lightworks 12 is out, has some cool updates, but none of those updates are actually releasing source code. Other interesting bit of news: Inkscape. They decided that they'd accept paid development. So, which I mean, they've they've gotten development through the Google Summer of Code, so it's and and that's technically paid development as well. But there's in, in Inkscape and in GIMP in particular, there's been resistance basically having having people paid to write code for the program because they thought it would it would disincentivize free contributions and stuff like that, which really isn't the case. I mean, and, and, and Blender sort of has proven that for, for a number of years now, as far as the, the Blender development model. And you see things like Synfig and Synfig Studio, which, by the way, has a, another, uh, a second release candidate for their 064.2 release, so play with that. But Synfig Studio, Blender, Krita to some extent, all of them have some form of paid development and haven't lost from from volunteer contributions to the to the code base either so you know there's there's this kind of dovetails off of last week's episode with 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 the blender market but it's not going to kill free contributions and so it's, it's it's cool that they've 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 recognized that and they're they're willing to accept that kind of thing another bit of news blender art magazine issue 45 is out go get it and read it and partake in the awesomeness. They do a really good job with that magazine, so it's it's definitely worth. You know, I mean, it's a free magazine. Not going to hurt anything to 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 download it and read it because you know it's free. Oh, little news since I've been since I've been tracking across it for, since their their campaign started. Axiom, the Axiom beta project by by Apertus, they uh, they reached their funding goal on Indiegogo. So yeah. Anybody who helped contribute to that, you will get yourself whatever rewards were assigned to it, and they'll get, they'll carry that project forward, which which I'm pretty stoked to hear. Another little bit of fun news is GitHub, just recently, like just yesterday, has put a new feature on their site. So if you have SVG files, these are vector graphics, so stuff that you would work with, say, in Inkscape, and because they're XML, you can use GitHub to do version control on them. Use version control. GitHub offers the ability to do a, to show visual diffs between SVG versions, which is really cool. There's, they have a little video on it and everything where you can actually see sort of a split screen and you can slide the, the split screen to show the last revision and the current revision against one another, which is pretty cool. It'd be really nice if that kind of functionality was available in a non-web environment as well. So I would use it. And the last little bit of news, which which I've mentioned before, but it's it's also a question. <laughs> that question is, well, I'm going to Blender Conference next week. And that Blender Conference starts on Friday of next week, right? Right. All right, so the Blender Conference starts on the Friday on, on Friday of next week, which means I've got to be flying and traveling and going to that. So I'm not entirely sure how, <laughs> how I'm going to release or record an episode for that Thursday. Still trying to figure that one out. I may be recording something from a hotel. I, I don't know. But it's also, it's also the Blender Conference. So I have, I'm going to be there sort of learning and enjoying myself. But, you know, since, since I have this podcast now, 
I don't know, maybe maybe I should do interviews? Maybe I shouldn't? I mean, what do you guys think? I'll do almost whatever you say on this one. If you say, Jason, no, you're, you're, you know, doing interviews isn't part of what your podcast is about, so just do what you've been doing and, and don't worry about the rest of it. Or you want me to do a bonus episode where I take what, or I do a bunch of interviews from the Blender Conference and make that a episode between episodes or make that an next, make it the following episode or skip a week and then do the episode. I, I'm, I'm not entirely sure the best way to go with this one. I'm, I'm, I'm asking for advice, I suppose. Yes. So, yeah, I'm going to Blender Conference. Should I skip next week's episode and do interviews from the Blender Conference? Should I do an episode of my own and, and interviews from the Blender Conference? Or should I just do an episode of my own and you can experience the Blender Conference by way of YouTube since they do stream the whole thing anyway? Tell me, tell me, tell me. And as I record this, this, this evening, as I mentioned in last week's episode, I'm giving a workshop on social media. And, uh, uh, yeah, I'm a little nervous about that, but that's just because I have to be in front of people. <laughs> in any case, yeah, I'll, uh, depending on how I record episodes for next week, I'll let you know how it turned out. Or I won't. <laughs> Now, on to this week's topic. This is a fun one. I actually did a presentation on this four years ago, but it's a lot, but a lot, but, but I find myself repeating my, I find myself repeating myself? Really, Jason? Whatever. I find myself repeating myself and, and giving this same kind of advice to people. And it's not just, then I, I'd given the presentation at the Blender Conference, but this, this works for anything well, let me back up and tell you what the damn topic is, because I forgot. So the topic, what I'm, what I'm talking about is collaborating with others, working with others, particularly doing collaborative projects online, where you don't necessarily get to interact with your co-creators, your collaborators in meet space. It's all handled through the computer, the magic of the computer. And yeah, like I said, I gave a presentation on this, but it, it, that one was limited to, to animation, but this would work for collaborating on writing a book. This would work on animation, of course. This would work on video games. This would work on comic book, graphic novel sort of thing. Any sort of, and, and for that matter, it also works on if you're, if you're launching an open source project and writing code because code can be creative it's a form of creative expression sometimes but for even even any sort of thing where when you want to work collaboratively with some with with other people because you know the skill set that you have at hand isn't enough to complete the project to the the quality level that 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 it needs to be so you you need a team and in order to need a team there there's the reason why i i, I I want to talk about this is because and this happens in a lot of creative communities again I don't want to go through the list of, of things but you you expect but you have a, a community of people that, that you interact with and then somebody at some point in time comes up with the idea well hey well why don't we just why don't we get together and make something we can pool our resources and again it uh it happens in all creative communities but it seems to be particularly prevalent in communities around open source creative tools. And I, I don't, I'm not entirely sure the reason why, 
Um, I mean, it could be because the software itself is, de is developed that way. So it only makes sense to consider the prospect of, of doing projects that way. And in the case of, say, the uh, Blender, for instance, their open movie projects get people thinking as well about doing doing things in a in a in an online sort of collaborative kind of way. And that's what actually what what the Gooseberry Project's all about, right? Is is or originally was all about is, is trying to develop and create and produce these these, these creative works collaboratively on in, in an online kind of way. So you, what you'll see on on a web forum or on Facebook or on Pick Your Poison, whichever community site you want to work talk about, you'll see someone say, "I have an idea. Let's let's pull our resources and make a X. It could be make a." comic book make a you know i'm gonna go through the list again but it's particularly prevalent in media that is inherently collaborative on its, in its own right so film and visual effects animation video games graphic novels to a lesser extent but i mean again it, it's not limited to those either you see them all over the place but you'll see somebody say say these sort of things and then the project never goes anywhere it falls flat and and it dies on the vine as it were and it's because you're not following my damn rules. <laughs> so I've got six, six things that if you're going to do something collaboratively, if you're going to work with a bunch of other people and try to get people, more importantly, you want to get people to work with you to get this project done, there, there are things that you ought to do in order to get those people to work with you. Because, I mean, look at it this way. Anybody who is able to make something, chances are really strong that they're not just sort of pining for, oh, you know, I wish somebody would come to me with some sort of project that I could help out with. Most people aren't like that. They have their own ideas. They have their own project that they want to work on. So if you want somebody to work on your project, you've got to go through a little bit of effort to convince them not to work on theirs and to work on yours. And just to sort of air my credibility here i've done that for i did that for four years in a row actually i did the 48 hour film project and since i moved to atlanta i haven't had a chance to to participate in the 48 hour film project yet but i'm getting the bug again so maybe maybe 2015 will be the year that i that i reintroduce myself to the 48 hour film project so let me let me um let me back up a second and explain the 48 hour film project to you 48 hour film project works like this you have two days to make a film that is between four minutes and seven minutes long. You get a, you get a prompt character and, and a prop that have to show up in the film. You get those on Friday, Sunday evening, you have to deliver a finished film. And my dumbass, when I first came, when I first started this, wanted said, all right, we're gonna do the 48 hour film project, but I'm gonna do animation because I'm ridiculous. Doing four minutes of animation in a weekend is, it's a, uh, it's a challenge. I'll, I'll say that. Put it this way, of the four years that I did it, we've, we finished on time two of those four years. But it's a, but it's a challenge and it's fun and that's, that's why you get into it. And by the way, if you, if you ever want to test, test your pipeline, if you want to ever test your workflow for efficiency, you're going to find out where your bottlenecks are real fucking fast when you try to cram that much production in that short amount of time. I don't care if it's animation or film or anything. That's why they have, you know, weekend game jams and it's the same sort of concept. But anyway, so I've done I've done this and at, at the largest, my team was like 35 people 
and more than half of that was online collaborating with me from from all over the world and it was fantastic and awesome and I would love to do it again and I still want to thank everybody for those years where, where, where we worked on it because you know, I enjoyed it and, and I definitely want to do it again but yeah but how do you how do you how do you convince people to to work with you so there are six steps and I'm just gonna let me not really steps but there's six things you ought to consider and do so I'm gonna run through through what they are list wise and, and then explain then sort of dive deep so one be awesome or at least notable two be involved with the community be awesome be involved have a feasible number three is have a feasible project right feasible something that can be done and get done and finished and isn't dragging on forever for infrastructure you want to have some sort of plan for that and this this is where where thinking and logistics comes in mind five you want to have clear roles clear roles and six directly ask individuals so backing up let's let's start at the beginning so the very first one be awesome or at least be notable and what i mean by that is if you're going to convince other people to leave their personal project to work on your personal project you're going to have to show that you bring something to the table it's that simple you you, ideally you want to have a track record of finishing things and if those things that you finish are impressive to look at or ingest in some way then that's all the better but really a record of doing something that's interesting and complete is 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 important so you know you could make music you could do 3d modeling you could do animation you could do illustration you could do right i mean it's it almost doesn't matter specifically what that thing is but you want to have you want to be able to show that you bring something to the table and you're not just asking other people to work on your shit for free because i mean, and obviously one of the things you could bring to the table is cash but who has cash usually these things are are let's work together because i'm too poor to pay you oh, just just saying as you or in the case of the 48 hour film project you're not i'm not allowed to pay you so yeah be awesome be notable bring something to the table that shows you're not just going to leech off of everybody else's talent and you actually and i might be so bold as to say that the idea isn't enough you can't say i have i'm going to go to animation here because that's where i see a lot of it or video game i have a great idea for a video game and i've thought about the idea yes there's a lot of that sort of pre-production that, that sort of work is, is is can't be it cannot be undervalued but unless it is the most compelling thing ever presented to everybody in the history of the planet the idea is not enough just have everybody has idea being able to execute an idea and complete an idea that's what makes it interesting for people to want to partake in whatever you do i was told point blank that well, I didn't join your project because you're, you know, a good leader or a good organizer. I just wanted to see the next crazy thing you're going to do. Sweet! <laughs> that's, thank you, right? That's, that's, I'm, I'm going to treat that as a compliment. But that's, that's step one is, and so if, if you haven't made anything or haven't finished anything of, of, of note that other people can look at, work on that first. Work on you first, because otherwise you have no compelling argument for someone else to work on your stuff. So in that same vein, number two is be involved. You want to not only have stuff that is 
awesome and notable, but you want to be involved in the community in which you want to get help, right? You can't go, for instance, you can't go on blenderartists.org and as your very first post say, hey everybody, I need help with my project and I don't want to pay you and I think we should all work out collaboratively. Yeah, that's going to work really great, guy. Good job. Or, or gal. And in either case, yeah, that, that's not going to fly. You want to kind of be established in the community. Oh, and, and by the way, maybe that's where you show off the stuff that makes you notable. Right, that's where you show off that you're awesome. Maybe you're just really good at giving people advice, right? Maybe you, you know a lot about either the software package or the technical parts of, uh, or the creative parts. You know, you give art feedback or, or, in any case, you wanna be in that community, involved with it, and, and that way, you know, so the first step, is, the first step is, is doing something that's awesome that people would recognize as as a complete thing that makes them interested in leaving their project to work for you. But you have to be known, right, for them to, and I don't, I don't mean like famous known, they just have to, you know, recognize your name and say, oh, oh yeah, and I, I've read that guy's name before, right? He does, he does blah, 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 right? That's, or she does blah, 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 right? That's, that's, that's what that's all about. So yeah, you wanna, you wanna, you, you wanna be involved if you wanna, so, so, so that people, you're not a stranger essentially coming off the street and, and asking everyone to devote their time to, to whatever your, your pet, pet project is. Now, speaking of pet projects, step three, not step three, but number three, item three, I keep saying steps, item three, feasibility. You want to pick a project that can be done. And all right, so, so let's, let's, let's back off here a second and, and, and talk about the nature of these projects. These projects are, are, the, the assumption here is that you're getting people to work with you and you're not going to pay them money either because you can't or you don't want to or you're not allowed to right so that makes the nature of the project you can do very there's a specific there's a very specific type of project that you can do and it's really only this these types of projects that can be done this way for instance it should be small. And by small, I mean, on, in the example of the 48-hour film project, four minutes is a freaking lot for a weekend. If I were just doing it from a feasibility stake, 30 seconds, right? 30 seconds is perfectly achievable in a weekend. Four minutes is achievable, I've proven that, but it's fucking hard. <laughs> Especially if you don't have a large team and you're not gonna get a lot of sleep in that weekend. So yeah, you pick something that's, that's, that, that is attainable. So don't do, don't think about doing a whole video game or a giant MMO with, with open world and blah, blah. No, 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 no. Small, one level of a game, 30 seconds of, a, of an animation, uh, a couple minutes of a short film, a couple pages of a graphic novel, a short story for, for a writing collaboration. That's the size we're talking about. And for the, for the um, by the same measure, a short turnaround time. Because you're asking people who have skills to help you. If they have skills, they don't have a lot of free time and they would rather spend it on their own projects often. And to convince them otherwise, you should say, you know, it's not gonna take very much of your time to do. It'll take a weekend. It'll take an evening. It'll take a day. It'll take a couple days. You want something that you can turn around quickly and at the end of the day say, look, it's done. It's awesome, isn't it? And we can polish it and, and do whatever afterwards. But the people, the people who are contributing to the project, you want to let them know that the amount of time that they're putting into, into your project, because your currency here is time. 
they are they are investing their time in your project so you need to convince them that either they're going to get a lot out of it which is a lot much harder sell than you don't have to put a lot into it i just need and this is where you kind of need to be really informed about the process don't go into one of these things not knowing how the entire workflow is gonna 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 pan out and if you don't know how long it takes for a 3d model to be made then don't presume that it's going to take a short amount of time to do it you should probably know how long it's going to take to do it so yeah so you want a short turnaround time limited scope and by limited scope i mean if you're doing a video game you don't have to do the whole video game at once you can do a level if you're doing an animation 30 second animation and maybe it's 30 seconds of of, of animation with no rigging or you have characters already made you just need them animated or you have a story that's already outlined the scope is just doing the drawings for the graphic novel you want to do you want to have the overall project scope should be limited but also the contributions that that are that that, that the people you're collaborating collaborating with whatever they're contributing to that project should also be somewhat limited in the scope so yeah you, you want to do something that's that's this, this all goes to feasibility and of course you want as many opportunities to cut corners on that project as possible because again you want it done you want to get it complete and the idea is you get one done you get you get more interest and get in people working with you for others right so there's this also works towards the track record of being awesome if you if you do one of these projects and get it done and, and show that it's feasible people are interested in working with you on future ones that's just kind of the way it works so yeah do that <laughs> and the last little in, in the realm of feasibility there you know you also want to you still want it to be a challenge you don't want to say well I want to do odd drawing and I need your help draw it for me. <laughs> There's no challenge for, for you because you just have someone else to do all your work for you. And then you say you, you have seven days. Ah, I mean, there's, an, there's a creative, there's appeal, there's an appeal to having a challenge. So you want it to be a feasible project, but you also don't want it to be so feasible that it's boring and nobody's interested in doing it. So that's, that's sort of the flip side there. So feasible, but interesting. The fourth item is infrastructure. This cannot be underlined and highlighted enough. And it's a lot where a lot of these projects tend to fail because their infrastructure is just a Dropbox or just a thread on a web forum or just a Facebook page or, or something like that. And it's not enough. It isn't. You need to be able to not only communicate with the people you're working with, but you need to be able to share files. You need to probably have versioning on those files so that when two people are working on the same thing there's the collisions are resolvable and yeah so so like just one thing isn't necessarily enough in that regard so what, here's what I'm talking about you'll you'll want version control it's a good idea I mean if you use Dropbox technically that's version already and that'll that'll be a benefit to you but if you don't use Dropbox well I mean so I mean you could do that but really having having better ver a better versioning solution like Mercurial like Git like subversion uh, is, is the better way to go. And if you're working with people who are not necessarily technically minded, you might need to explain to them how some of this stuff works because they may, they may have not have ever played with it before. So I've found that subversion and mercurial work best for collaborating with other people because the interfaces are usually simpler to work with, especially if you happen to work with people who are on the, on the Windows side of things. There's, there's really not much that's better than, than 
Tortoise SVN and Tortoise HG, respectively, for, for version control stuff. But if you want to try and host your project on GitHub, sweet, right? Why not? So you'll need that, but you'll also need collaborative software. And what I mean by that is some people will want to use a web form, but just like one thread on a web form, that's, that's not enough to stay organized with, with that kind of communication and, and, and those sort of things. So really having, if you have your own form, then yeah, you can have multiple threads and, and that can probably be a pretty good avenue for doing it. But you could also, what I've used and what I've, what I've decided that I, that I like using is Redmine, which is um, more of a, a project management tool for like code related stuff. But it's actually, I've, I've found, despite the fact that Ruby on, Ruby on Rails is kind of a memory hog, RAM wise, it, it's, it provides some really good tools for collaborating and uh, those sort of things. A wiki is also not a bad, not necessarily a bad choice to the bug tracking software, you can shoehorn it into doing it, but some sort of thing where you can assign tasks, where you can break down your project into smaller tasks and assign those tasks to individual people and they can report on the progress on those tasks. That's really what you want. Redmine can do it. You can do it manually using forum software or, or being on someone else's forum. You could do it with this uh, open collab. There's, there's a number of different bits of so Basecamp. There's a bunch of different software solutions out there. Basecamp's not open source, but something like that is is really useful for organizing the project and, and again, getting it done. So, oh, and then so the other, the other bit of infrastructure that's worthwhile is real-time communication. You want to be able to talk with the other people on your team in real time because not everything can be handled via a mailing list, which also a discussion list is worth setting up, or a forum uh, or the collaborative software, you want to be able to have real-time communication with people. And Meetspace is obviously the best way to do it. Sitting down with somebody at a cafe or whatever and and having a, uh, an in-depth conversation about it, that's that's obviously the best. But if you can't do that, there's Skype, there's Google Plus Hangouts. Google Plus Hangouts are fantastic for this kind of thing. Or traditional IRC if you just want to do typing, which is perfectly fine. IRC is actually... One of the one of the best ways for for, for me anyway because it, it doesn't devote so much of my time but google plus hangouts and whatnot are actually pretty nice the only downside to that is that there's a maximum participation of 10 people yeah so you want on the infrastructure version control collaborative tool real-time communication those are those are are sort of the bare minimums that you want for for your infrastructure side of things and again if you don't have it it's going to be hard to organize your project. So you want to have all three of those things and you want to have them in place. Preferably have them in place before your project starts, right? These are part of the things that you bring to the table. Be awesome. The other place, number five here is the other place where a lot of these projects tend to is you don't have clearly defined roles. In the, in the, in the case of, of an animation or a video game, you want to have one person be the animator. One person be the director. One person be... Ideally, you'd like to break that up, especially if you have a short turnaround time. You can't rely on multitasking. So if you can say this is your role, one, that, that goes back to the feasibility aspect of it because you're telling a person that this is all that I require of you. I just need you to do this little-ish thing or this big thing. I mean, it depends on the project, right? You're going to want to define clear roles and as much as possible, avoid overloading roles. In particular, 
while you're going to be devoting the bulk of your time, uh, make no mistake, this is your project, so expect that most of the work is still going to be done by you. And if it's not, stop now. Just, just don't do it because if you're, if you're assuming that most of the work is going to be done by everybody else, it's a delusion and you're wrong. That said, you want to have clearly defined roles so that, again, people know what they're, what, what, what's to be expected of them and nobody is overwhelmed with the exception of maybe you. But even you, you should, you should you know, only do one thing at a time at the very least. But nobody feels like they're being overwhelmed, not, that, that too much is being asked of them. And you also don't, don't have the situation where somebody whose focus is on, on one part of, of whatever your production is, is trying to butt in on, on something that's not part of the scope of their role. I mean, they can offer opinions and thoughts like that, but if they're starting to do that work, then obviously you haven't, you haven't defined their role clearly enough, and that's a problem. So yeah, clearly defining roles is going to be a big thing. You can't just say, oh, well, you know, everybody will work on everything because it, it just doesn't fucking work. So don't do that. But it's, don't do that because it's just going to be better for everyone's sanity. And again, it goes back to appealing to people's specific interests and, and letting them know that you're not going to, you know, kill them in the process and that, that again, what you're asking of them is feasible because if you need help on a project, you probably are needing help in fields where you're not well-skilled, right? And so part of your project is going to be informed by these other people's skills and abilities, and therefore you want to, you want to really take advantage of this. If you need somebody for, for if you say that your role is this, you know, that, it's a matter of feeling important. Number six, and this is a big one, a huge one, because what you'll see is... It's, Stop me if you've heard this one before. I'm starting a project and I need this and this. I need someone to do this, someone to do this, someone to do this, someone to do this. So if anybody's interested, just send me an email and I can tell you what to do. Yeah, I mean, no. That'll work on some projects if you have enough notoriety. If, if, you've, if you've done number one, be awesome, to such a gigantic extent that you can do an open call, then, then you don't even really be you don't even really need to be listening to me. You're, you're already at a point beyond what I'm, what I'm offering as, a, of a, as advice here. But let's assume you're not that guy or gal, then putting out an open call is largely meaningless, especially if you haven't done any of the other five points that I've, I've mentioned so far. If you haven't done all of that, doing open calls is the dumbest thing you could try to do. And it's just gonna end with nobody talking back to you. The best thing to do that I have found at least. And again, this, this is this is coming from my experience. This is so other people's experiences might be different, but for me, not only from the what's worked when I've wanted people to work with me, but what's worked when people have asked me to work with them is, ah, they've asked me to work with them. Go and ask people, individuals, ask them directly. So you need a concept artist for your project. You need someone to work on sort of look development and you know know what a character is supposed to look like and or what an environment's supposed to look like. You, you need a concept artist. Don't just go onto a concept artist website or web forum or whatever and say, I need a concept artist for my project. My project is awesome. Anybody wants to help me, uh, 
told me. Right? That No, don't do that. Approach somebody directly. Find concept artists that you like. Find an artist that you like, that you think would be a good fit, and send them an email. Give them a phone call. Send them a tweet. Now, if you've done all the other things, particularly the first one being awesome, having an awesome project and those sort of things, and you have everything else in place, then that draws an appeal and you can actually get some very talented people to agree to work with you. If you if you go to somebody directly and say, look, I have this project, I'm blah, 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 and I'm awesome, and I have this project on that I'm working on, and it's awesome, and I'm working with a bunch of other people on it, and they're awesome, and it's feasible, I'm not asking for a lot of your time, because the project is short and small and sweet and good, and I've got all the infrastructure set up, all you have to worry about is working on your specific role, and your role is X, would you do that task for my project? And if you do, if you, if you approach somebody that way, it's a really compelling argument for them to work with you. Hell, whatever X is, I kind of want to do it now. So, <laughs> and the re- there, there, there are a number of reasons for that, but I mean, one of, the, one of the biggest reasons for it is that people want to feel needed. Human nature, people want to feel needed. They want to feel like they're desirable for whatever project you're working on and that, that what they, yeah, to get them to agree, you have to be able to bring something, show that you bring something to the table, but you have to show them as well that what they bring to the table is something that you desire and you want specifically their skills at it. Especially if you're not gonna pay anybody, then they need to get something back out of it. And, and self-worth can be a pretty compelling argument. Having a completed project at the end of the day that they couldn't do by themselves, pretty compelling argument. And asking an individual specifically, will you do this? for my project? Will you be an animator? Will you be a modeler? Will you draw? Will you write? Will you do logistics? Will you be a production manager? Right? Whatever the, the, the task is, will you write code? Whatever the task is, you're always going to get better response if you ask somebody, an individual, specifically for help on that. Because because they know that they're wanted. They know that they're that their skills are of value and everything else is is what you're using to convince them to actually say yes but the biggest mistake you can do is make an open call because that's the other thing is that if you do an open call nine times out of ten you're not going to get the people that you want on the project if you need because a lot of this a lot of the uh the skills are, are specialized and they require people with experience doing them if you need an experienced animator or an experienced developer or or something like that it's going to be the people who are volunteering themselves to your project are likely not going to have the skills that you need to complete that project you want to be able to seek out the this means again and if you are involved with the community you know who these people are you you're, you're you do your research by the nature of being involved, by being there. All of these things work together, right? So by the nature of, of being part of whatever that community is, you know who has which skills you need. You can basically treat the online community as, as, a, as, a, as an interview that you don't know, that, that they don't know that you're conducting because you're researching these people. And then you go up to them. It's even better if you can do it in Meetspace. Go to a conference, go to a, uh, an event of some sort 
go to a local event of some sort. And then you can approach these people individually and say, I have a project that, that is all set up and ready to go and I just need your skills to contribute a little bit to my project. And if you have everything set up right, it's, it's they won't always say yes, because people have their own projects and they, they, they have, they're, they're pretty booked with, a lot of times they have their own things that they're working on so they, they don't necessarily have a lot of free time. And so you might get a lot of no's, especially if you haven't done the other things of, of, of getting the project set up and, and, and being awesome and notable and all those things. If, if, if you don't do all of those things before approaching somebody, then, then they're definitely going to say no. Well, not definitely, but they're more than likely to go in and say no. But if, you, if you've done all of those things, it makes it more, more interesting for them to say yes. And then they'll say, they, they, they may often say yes. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's how, that's basically how I've gotten, for any projects that I've worked, worked on collaboratively, the, the, that, those are the things that I've found are the successful tools, successful steps, successful whatevers for getting people to work with me on, on projects that, that are collaborative and I, you know, need help finishing in a reasonable amount of time. I mean, a lot of these projects, because a lot of time you might, you might have all of the skills necessary to complete a project, but it would still take you a decade to actually get to that state of completion. So that's why, you know, getting help is, is a valuable, I mean, that's why, that's why you need help is sometimes it's just a matter of the amount of time it would take to get that job done. So yeah, that's my bit. That's the episode for this week. If you're going to be at the Blender Conference next week, I'll see you there. If you're not, then, well, I won't see you there, but hopefully you've enjoyed my podcast, and we'll talk more next week. Finish my commute. Time to go to work. Hello. You know, uh, you know, that thing's liable to go off. Yeah, it could.